Warning. The following contains massive spoilers for the designated series. Listener discretion is advised. Water. Earth. Fire. Air. You're listening to the Television Archive, the show where we, the television-loving hordes of the internet, take a deep dive into what used to be in our beloved media. My name is Thomas Clark, and this is Avatar The Last Airbender and The Legend of Korra. My brother and I discovered the new Avatar, an airbender named Aang. And although his airbending skills are great, he has a lot to learn before he's ready to save anyone. But I believe... Aang can save the world. Today we will be discussing The Legend of Korra, Season 1, Episode 1, titled Welcome to Republic City. Okay, so we're finished with the original Avatar series. We're on to this spinoff, on to this sequel show. And I've alluded to my thoughts on Legend of Korra, my general thoughts on Legend of Korra, uh, a couple times on this show in the past while talking about Avatar. Uh, But just in case you haven't listened to any of my Avatar episodes, which you should, because I had a really good time doing those, and I think I did a fairly good job of breaking down that show... If you haven't heard my general thoughts on Legend of Korra, maybe you're new to the program, uh, I'm going to break them down very quickly again. So, this is a sequel series to what is widely considered to be one of the greatest shows of all time, what is widely considered to be one of the greatest stories ever told. So, naturally, there's going to be some difficulty with that. Naturally, there's going to be some challenge in following that up, but I think they do a pretty good job here of following that up, and following that up with something that does feel fresh and new and different and not the same thing again. Now, as I've said before, Legend of Korra is not nearly as consistent as Avatar The Last Airbender. There are definitely some seasons that are better than others, some storylines that are way more tedious than others. Season 2! But, for the most part, it's great. For the most part, it's really, really good. And at its best, I think it's every bit on that level. Like, the last couple seasons in particular are really, really amazing. And it has, like, some really phenomenal things it does. And I kind of love how this show goes out of its way to not retread The Last Airbender. Like, it has entirely different conflicts, entirely different storylines, entirely different character arcs, an entirely different world. Like, it feels like its own show. Like, yeah, there are tons of references throughout the entire thing to old Avatar, to the original Avatar The Last Airbender series, but you can still watch this and judge it as its own thing. 
Like, it's not so ingrained in the original that you have to love that show to really appreciate this. Now, of course, if you watch that original show, you do get a boost out of it. You do get a boost of enjoyment because those references are satisfying, because it's a satisfying follow-up. But for the most part, you can watch this on its own and be totally delighted by it. You can watch it on its own and be 100% satisfied. And this first episode, since we might as well get into the actual episode-by-episode breakdown, it's a solid start to this follow-up story. I mean, yeah, there are times where it feels a bit pilotitis-y, where it starts to do some minorly tedious setup of the formula, quote-unquote. But overall, like, it's it's a really, really enjoyable pilot. It is a really, really solid premiere episode. And it does introduce you to this world, introduce you to these characters, introduce you to the story that's going to be told very, very well. Uh, general praises out of the way. Animation, of course, just like the original, is amazing. It is absolutely gorgeous. This is a beautiful, beautiful show. Uh, voice acting as well, really, really great. Everyone in this show does an amazing, amazing job. Uh, worth noting, Tenzin, played by J.K. Simmons, one of my favorite actors of all time, and I love hearing his voice come out of that wonderful, wonderful character. And this episode, much like the first episode of the original series, does an amazing job of establishing character. Does an amazing job of getting you to care about everyone in this show immediately. Getting you invested in everyone in this show immediately. Getting you warmed up to their personalities immediately. Like, right off the bat. Especially Korra. Korra is a really, really fantastic character. I adore her so much. Uh, I love how headstrong and fierce she is, whereas Aang was very laid back and easygoing. I love how determined she is, whereas Aang was very timid. Like, she's sort of the opposite of Aang in every possible way. And some people might see that as something that is a negative. Some people might see that as, oh, this is not the type of main character I like from a show like this. But... The fact that she's so different, the fact that she's so removed from Aang in pretty much every possible sense, I just find that more interesting. I find that to be much more interesting character work, that they can do this opposite of Aang so freaking well. And right off the bat, you see how determined she is to learn all the elements as soon as she possibly can. Like, she is very, very intent on grasping every single piece of knowledge she can get. Like, becoming as good of a bender as possible. She is very motivated. She is very, like, as I said, fierce, very determined. Like, She's great. She's an amazing, amazing character. And it's phenomenal to watch her go through her training. To watch her 
get the payoff to all that fierce determination, while also applying that to very human concerns, while also applying that to the type of peacekeeping stuff that the Avatar is known to do. Like, she genuinely, like, as fierce as she is, ha as headstrong as she is, she does care about people in a way that any good Avatar should. She does actually have this compassion to her that applies to all the stuff she does as Avatar, applies to her motivations to stay in Republic City and uh, help bring peace to it, uh, go up against the Equalists, go up against the Triads, and all that. And this is the start of a really, really amazing arc for her. I also kind of love that this show just decided to be like, yeah, she's a fully realized Avatar. Except for the element that the last Avatar already knew at the beginning of the show. Like, we really do have, like, we're not retreading Aang's water or earth or firebending training. Like, this is a new Avatar who has mastered most of the elements except air. And now, in this series, when this series begins, we are picking up going into airbending. And we're also going to go into more of the complex elements of being the Avatar. Like, it just feels like a much different dynamic that I'm really, really fascinated by. Because with Avatar The Last Airbender, yeah, we saw Aang at really, really powerful moments, but we never saw him like a fully realized Avatar. He was still technically in training before, like, at the end of the series. He had not mastered firebending yet. Uh, he had not fully mastered earthbending yet, according to Toph. <laughs> and quite frankly, your earthbending could use some work too. Like, he was just not at that expert level. But now we get to see an avatar who is at that level. And also, I kind of love that they decided for a spinoff series to just go with the next avatar. Like, just be like, hey, that character you followed once, he's dead now. This is his replacement. Like, it really sets this amazing precedent of like, yeah, we could tell stories forever in this world. Just the next avatar, and the next avatar, and the next avatar, and the next avatar, and the next avatar. Uh, it's, it, it's really, really, it's a cool dynamic. Uh, it also establishes Tenzin very well. Aang's son, this very stoic, serious... A uh, wise air nomad who has tried as much as possible to follow in Aang's footsteps. Tried at every possible opportunity to follow in the footsteps of his father. And realize Republic City as the utopia he and Fire Lord Zuko envisioned. It's... Really, really amazing. This character. How he is so set on solidifying Aang's legacy. Uh, what with Republic City, what with Avatar Korra. And he is this amazing... He's this amazing 
contrast to Korra. Whereas Korra is this fierce, headstrong person. Tenzin is just, yeah, whatever. Like, he is more analytical. He thinks things like this through. Like, he kind of has this calm to him that Korra does not, which kind of makes him an amazing mentor character to her. Uh, we also get, like, a brief establishment of Chief Beifong, who is awesome. <laughs> I love Chief Beifong. She's the greatest. Like, she's sort of... Like, it's very easy to see that she is Toph's daughter. <laughs> Let's say that. It is very easy to see when you look at her that she is Toph's daughter because she is very Toph-esque in pretty much every aspect of her personality uh, while also being her own person. Like, I never feel like, oh, they're just doing Toph again when I look at Chief Bangfong. I look at her and be like, man, she is very similar to Toph. Uh, but she has her own motivation. She has her own inner conflicts uh, that we'll get into as the show goes on. Uh, but she is really, really fantastic as well. I really, really love her character. And I can't really say much about her because, again, we only saw her briefly. But we will get a lot more of her as we go on. I also love how this episode introduces us to Republic freaking City. This utopia of peace, of all the nations, benders and non-benders alike, working together to create this big, massive city. And it also feels very 1920s, like it's very technologically advanced, like almost venturing in on steampunk territory like it's it's a really really vibrant setting i i really really love republic city which is a good thing because we spend pretty much every second of the first season here <laughs> and a lot of the seasons after that but especially season one we spend a lot of time here here's the thing about season one here's one of my issues with season one we never venture outside Republic City for even a second. Like, it's just all Republic City all the time. Personally, I like my Avatar shows to be more nomadic. Sort of the fun of Avatar The Last Airbender was seeing what amazing settings they'd go into next. And to have to be set in Republic City literally the entire time is sort of annoying, but whatever. I mean, it's an amazing location. It's an amazing setting, so I shouldn't really complain, but that's one of my nitpicks of season one. But mostly, I just love the fact that they went into this technologically advanced society, this 1920s-esque society. Uh, it's very fun to explore the advancements that were made between the events of Avatar The Last Airbender and between the events of Legend of Korra. Like, it's just, it's fun to have this 
more modern world to explore. Uh, the opening sequence. Let's talk about the opening sequence of this episode. Where the White Lotus shows up at Korra's parents' home. And see young Korra just bend all the elements. <laughs> just going out like, I'm the Avatar! You gotta deal with it! Like, it's... <laughs> I love it! It's really, really amazing to witness. I love that sequence. It's never not fun to me. Like, it's just, oh, well, we've investigated many claims... And all of them have been false. What makes you so sure that your daughter is the Avatar? Um. Well, that. <laughs> and then just earth and water and fire all happening at once. Oh, it's great. It's really, really fantastic. And then the smash cut to her training. Passing her fire test. And then subsequently setting the beginning of her airbending training. Which she is very, very happy about. Like I said, she is very eager. Like, she is very determined to become a fully realized avatar as fast as possible. I also love how everyone hates her. Like, everyone is sort of bemused by her. Except Katara. Uh, and old Katara is just like, she's strong. She lacks restraint. Like, everyone's just done with her shit except Katara. Who really likes her. <laughs> who has this immense fascination with her. I love it. It's so great. <laughs> Katara's just... The rebellious old lady now, who's just like, she is really fierce. She is really, like, she's a big hothead, and I kind of love her for it. <laughs> it's awesome. It's a nice place to kind of see Katara. But then, of course, Tenzin arrives. You get this amazing, amazing... <laughs> scene where we're introduced to his children and see how just done with everything he is. <laughs> his children just terrorize him. His children are just taking all the energy out of him. And they have this amazing conversation with Katara. At one point, uh, Janora, the eldest of them asks Katara what happened to Zuko's mom. And Katara's like, oh, it's a wonderful story. And then Iki jumps in and just interrupts her. And we never know. <laughs> They're playing with us at this point. They're playing with us on the Zuko's mom front. Damn you. Then, of course, Tenzin reveals that she is not, in fact, moving to... That he is not, in fact, moving to the South Pole... Uh, that he's only staying for, like, a day or two. And that then he has to go back to Republic City to deal with all the crap that's going on there. All the imbalance, all the instability that's going on there. 
which Katora is, which, which Katora, which Cora, <laughs> which Cora is not happy about. Because, like I said, like, she is very eager, very determined to become this fully realized avatar as fast as possible. Now, monkey wrench into that whole thing, and now Tenzin saying, it may be a while before I can come here and train you. And then Korra brings up the, hey, why don't I go to Republic City? That idea is shut down immediately. Tenzin leaves, and then Korra immediately, without a second's thought, is just like, yeah, I'm gonna escape. Uh, she gets on her polar bear dog, Naga, which, by the way, I love Naga. Naga's great. Uh, she has this parting conversation with Katara, where Katara's like, yeah, you should go to Republic City. You absolutely should go. Like, your destiny is there. It is time for you and your generation to pick up where me and my dead friends and my dead husband left off. <laughs> like, it's time for you to take over. Sort of both her and Cora share this disdain for the situation she's found herself in, where she's just locked up in the South Pole, separated from the rest of the world. So she goes on this journey to Republic City. And when she gets to Republic City, like, basically you have this series of adventures of Cora realizing that Republic City is not what she thought it was like at all. Uh, Korra's search for food for Naga. And not having money, so she has to go to the park and heat up some fish. Firebend up some fish. And she discovers that there's, like, a lot of homeless people in Republic City. And she's like, man, that's not great. That's not cool. Then... Stumbling upon this Equalist rally. And by the way, I love the whole idea of the Equalists. I love this whole idea of non-benders, like, feeling like second-class citizens. And wanting to rebel against benders. Bending society. The bending elite, as they call them. Uh, Bakora has this back and forth with this one spokesperson of the Equalist movement. And it's really, really amusing. <laughs> You're oppressing yourself. That didn't even make sense. <laughs> uh, you have this fight with uh, the Triad. Which is awesome. Which is so freaking badass. I love everything about this fight. It's so good. And of course it's immediately followed up by uh, the Metal Bending Police. Just coming up and being like, hey, yeah, uh, you did catch these triads, but you also wrecked a ton of shit, so you're also under arrest. And then going on this massive chase. This really amazing, flowing, kinetic chase that eventually ends up in Korra getting captured and being interrogated by Chief Beifong. And then Tenzin, of course, shows up and is like, 
yeah, she's going back home. So don't worry about her. Drop the charges. I'll pay for the damages. So then we have this really, really powerful moment where Korra's, like, just begging to stay in Republic City. Like, yeah, this is not just about my training anymore. I've seen a lot of this city today. I've seen that it is out of whack. I've seen that you got homeless people everywhere. That you got uh, this non-benders movement rising up. Uh, That you got this... These triads causing chaos. Like, you need the Avatar to restore balance. You need me to be here. And bonus, I can also become fully realized. I'm not helping anyone cooped up in the South Pole not doing training. I'm not helping anyone cooped up in the South Pole not learning airbending. And Tenzin is just livid and pissed. It's like, nope, nope, you're going back. But Katara's agreed with me that... Katara agreed with me that my destiny's here. Don't bring my mother into this! <laughs> Tenzin has this adverse reaction to his mother encouraging Korra to actively disobey him. He is pissed at this notion. Uh, but then, of course, like, just as Korra's about to leave, Tenzin's like, yeah, no, y- you're right. You you need to stay here. You're you're right. Everything's off balance. Everything's out of whack. We need the Avatar. So then you get this amazing, amazing ending where Korra gives this press conference talking about how we can achieve the peace that Aang wanted. And how she's going to do everything she can to bring balance to the city. And then, of course, as she's giving this press conference, you go to Amon. Equalist headquarters with Amon. Which, by the way, haven't talked about Amon yet because he's not in this episode much. Amon's a great villain. Amon is a really, really good villain. And I'm very excited to talk more about him as this show goes on. But they turn the radio off and they're like, Mon, how do you want to handle this? And Amon's like, hmm, it appears the Avatar has arrived early. We'll have to accelerate our plans. Bum, bum, bum! So that's going to be a thing that Korra deals with across this season. I mean, look, this is not an amazing premiere. This is not an extraordinary premiere. I wouldn't put this on the level of Boy in the Iceberg. But it's solid. It it does a good job overall of establishing this world, establishing these characters, uh, establishing the base level conflicts. Like, again, tiny amount of pilotitis, but... For the most part, it's solid. For the most part, it's really, really fun and really, really enjoyable and sets up this world, sets up this new phase of the world very, very well. I'm excited to go through the rest of this show. I think it'll be an interesting uh, an interesting enough conversation to have. Uh, if you like this, favorite the podcast, anchor.fm slash TV archives so that you can be here every single Monday through Friday as I go through every single episode of this and other shows. 
And you can find it on pretty much whatever podcatcher app you prefer. Feel free to call in as well. It's simple as just a push of a button on the Anchor app. I will play those on the show from time to time if you feel so inclined to send those in. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram, TomTom4468, and support the show. Patreon.com slash Thomas Clark. Pledge just a dollar a month. I appreciate everything I get through there. Or, if that doesn't work for you, you can also support this show via Anchor. I appreciate that as well. Tomorrow we will be discussing The Legend of Korra Season 1, Episode 2. Talk to you then.